This is Radio Influence, podcasting redefined. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. Of course, I am your host, Vincent Hill. Today is Tuesday, October the 2nd. Man, can you believe it? We are already in the month of October. This year has gone by so fast. It's officially fall, supposedly, but in Atlanta, it's still in the 80s. So I don't know about this fall just yet, but officially I should be wearing a sweater right now. And October also means another thing. My daughter will be having a birthday pretty soon. She was born on Halloween. She will be turning 23 years old. I cannot believe it, man. When you talk about time flying, not just this year, but just years in general, I cannot believe I will have a 23-year-old. Last week, I took my son to get his senior pictures made, and I was sitting there, and I actually got teary-eyed because I realized he's about that he's about to make that transition into man hood he's about to fly away from the nest i'll be an empty nester i really won't know what to do with myself you know we all as parents say man i can't wait until my last kid is out of the house but really when that day gets closer and closer and closer and that's all you've known for so many years it becomes a little difficult so i really got teary-eyed when i was standing there watching him in his cap and gown take those senior pictures I just can't believe where the time has gone. And I can't believe how much he's changed from being such a little, little kid. I remember I used to call him my mini-me, and now he's 6'2", I'm 6'1", so I really can't call him my mini-me. So I can't believe how much he's changed just watching him over the years. But sometimes, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And there's a few things I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about the two officers that were killed this past weekend in Mississippi, which now makes 42, if my math is correct, and if the data that I'm looking at is correct, 42 police officers shot and killed in the line of duty this year in 2018, which is totally unacceptable. But first, I want to talk about Baltimore. And and as I was saying, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Because we all know Baltimore, we all know how Baltimore was the center of part of the whole Black Lives Matter movement with the death of Freddie Gray, and six officers were charged. They were called racist, even though the majority of those officers were minority. One was a woman. But same narrative, different day. Uh, And you would assume that in a city like Baltimore that has been uh, the height of the Black Lives Matter movement and it had so much spotlight on it that the crime would go down and, you know, things of that nature. But I even said way back then that crime would actually spike and people would use this opportunity to be emboldened to attack police or disobey the law because all they have to do is throw out that race card and they can assumingly get away with things. So I don't know if you know about this, but last weekend uh, or maybe two weeks ago, there was a a shootout in uh, Baltimore 
And there was another shooting that actually involved police shooting a suspect. And that was caught on body cam. And the body cam footage was from September 23rd. So we're only about eight, nine days into this. And police are already releasing body cam footage, as they say, in the fairness of transparency. I don't know if I ever agree with that, because once that footage is out there, it's out there. And the court of public opinion will sometimes get people convicted in a court of law, especially when you're talking about police officers. Now, in this case, based on the body cam footage, the police officers are Caucasian. You can tell. Uh, But the incident occurred. Police were involved in investigating an individual. The individual struggled with police officers. A little foot chase ensued. You hear a bunch of gunshots going off and you see an individual on the ground based on the body cam. Now, uh, the individual himself happened to be armed. So he actually fired 10 shots, 10 shots at police officers. So what do police do? They respond with 30 shots. You shoot at us, we shoot at you. You use deadly force, we use deadly force. That's how it goes. So they were investigating him for selling drugs. Somehow, the struggle ensued. It escalated. Boom. Shots were fired. Ten shots. He was struck. And uh, the officer was actually shot. One of the officers was actually shot uh, in his vest and in his elbow. Uh, and godly, I can't even imagine how painful that is to be shot in the elbow. If you think about how many times you hit your elbow on like the corner of something or on a wall and they call it the funny bone, but there's nothing funny about it because it always hurts. So I can't imagine how it would feel to be shot in the elbow. Now, this case reminds me a lot of Alton Sterling. And the reason I say that because in the body cam after the foot chase, I want to make a correction here. After the foot chase, well, no, they, they did fire uh, at the individual. But after the foot chase, you can hear the officer saying, drop the gun, drop the gun. You can see in one of the body cam footage where he's actually on the ground trying to get him to drop the gun. And when the other officer arrives, the backup officer, he tells him to back up. The backup officer tells the other officer that was hit back up and come that way. And but the backup officer, the officer that uh, initially made contact with the individual is saying, hey, he's down, but he's still moving. He has a gun. Now, I know there's a bunch of people that have probably watched this video, uh, this dash cam body cam, I should say, footage. And they're like, well, why were you still pointing your gun at him? He was down on the ground. Why are you doing this? Well, quite simply, because the gun was still next to his body and he could still be a threat. And at some point, you can finally see the other officer, the backup officer that got there, go up to the individual and kick the gun away. You can actually hear the gun being kicked away. You can't see it in the body cam, but you can actually hear it being uh, kicked away from that individual. So here we are in Baltimore. Maryland, where everybody was in an uproar about how these racist officers treated Freddie Gray and they had no reason to stop him and they had no reason to do this. But here we are with an individual shooting 10 times, 
10 times at police. Three of the shots hit the officer. He was shot in his vest, his body cam, and his elbow. So I'm just going to add this up to you. His vest, which would have been a kill shot had he not had on his vest. His body cam, which is typically right over the heart, which would have been a fatal wound had he not had that vest and body cam there in the elbow. So that tells me that this individual, his name is 29-year-old Nathaniel Sassafras. I don't even know what that is, but that tells me that Nathaniel Sassafras was intending to kill that officer. You shot him in the chest. You shot him in the chest again. You hit his elbow. So all of those shots that you were firing were at center mass. Now, I've done my research, really haven't heard too much about this story at all, but we all know if the roles were reversed and that Sassafras was just shot and killed and that was the end of it, that it would be all over the media. Now, keep in mind, nobody would talk about the struggle and everything else, but had this officer not been shot, think about this, this is a profound statement, but it's true. Had this officer not been shot three times, just because he was only shot once in the elbow, and that's the injury he was, he sustained, he was actually shot three times. Had this white officer not been shot three times, the story would be much bigger than it is, but since it doesn't fit the, oh, he never did anything to anybody narrative, or he was a good boy narrative, we're not hearing about this story other than in the local media there in Baltimore. But flip the script, reverse the roles, take away the fact that the officer was shot, and this is a much bigger story than here on Beyond the Badge or at policeone.com where I actually found the story, it would be a huge national story. If you don't believe me, I'm going to read a few articles about this this guy here. And just just think how the, the stories would have read if it would have been different, again, if this officer wasn't shot. So here's what they're saying about uh, Nathaniel Sassafras. The man killed in a weekend shootout with Baltimore police had been convicted as a teenager of killing a man and spent 13 years behind bars until he was he was released earlier this year on parole. That was from the Baltimore AP. So the New York Times says officer Philip Lippi, one of the two officers who exchanged gunfire with Sassafras, was shot and released from the hospital the next day. Police said Lippi has been with the department for three years. Officer Stephen Foster, a five-year veteran of the force, also fired his gun, police said. Now, again, that's the New York Times. We know which way they usually swing. The Baltimore AP just simply said that the guy was convicted as a teenager of killing a man and spent 13 years behind prison, behind, uh, behind bars until being paroled last year so or this year rather so this guy gets out of prison he's been in there since i don't know 13 13 years so do the math however old he was when he went in he was uh 15 years old when he shot the guy he killed when he was a juvenile so he gets out and he's a convicted felon who shouldn't have a gun 
He gets a gun because that's what happens. Guns on the street. So get this gun control crap conversation out of my face because people that actually get guns to commit crimes, they don't go to the gun store to get their guns. So let's not even talk about gun control. You have a convicted felon who killed someone out on parole which I don't even know why, but he gets out on parole, he gets a gun, he's selling drugs, and he shoots police. Now, didn't hear much about it besides a couple of sentences. He was convicted as a teenager of killing a man, spent 13 years behind bars until being paroled earlier this year. The officer was shot and released the next day. That's about it for that statement. But I assure you, again, Take the fact that the police officer was shot out of the equation. And the headlines would have read, Police shoot black man. And then you would have press conferences of saying how such a good kid he was. And then they would find the Easter Sunday picture from 10 years ago with him smiling with his grandmother and hugging her in church to put it up and say he was a good boy that loved everybody in the community and he never did anything to anybody. But since it doesn't fit the narrative, that's not even how the local media ran it. The New York Times ran it. And the story never even made CNN because, oh, God, a white police officer was shot by a black man. We can't run that because we have to convince our viewers that only white police officers go and shoot and kill black men in the black communities, especially Baltimore, even after Freddie Gray. So they couldn't tell the story. So it got diminished to a two sentence write up in the local paper. (laughs) I want to talk about another story that the media didn't cover the way they would have if the roles were reversed. But before I do, man, hey, listen, yesterday I got a chance to go down to the Phillips Arena. I saw my Atlanta Hawks put the smack down on the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. That is like the craziest name I've ever heard of a basketball team anyway. Maybe that's why they got their butts whooped by the Hawks. But two birds went at it. My Hawks took the game 116-102. Couldn't be happier about that. It's still preseason. I know as it goes along, hey, it may change because that's the fate of Atlanta teams around here. But I'm a diehard Atlanta Hawks fan. I've been that way even before I moved here to Atlanta. But I got to tell you, I got my tickets You know where I got them? At Vivid Seats. Our buddies over at Vivid Seats. Check it out. It's an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with the experience of a lifetime. I had a great experience last night. With Vivid Seats, you can watch your favorite teams, artists perform in person. It helps you find the favorite seats to all your events, not just sports. You can go to concerts, theater, Anything, anybody that sells a ticket, Vivid Seats has it. They offer great pricing and easy purchasing experience. With the podcast code Influence, listeners can receive 10% off your first purchase. I got mine when I got my Pelicans versus Hawks tickets. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. And remember, enter the promo code Influence to receive. 10% off your first purchase. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by 100% guarantee. Vivid Seats. Corporal Zach Moe, 
and patrolman James White this morning lost their lives in the line of duty. They're heroes. My heart goes out to all the family, all the kin folks. And uh, you never know when it's your last day. They're both heroes. They did their job. Under fire, they did their job. I'm proud of both of them. And I want to tell the families, two heroes lost their lives. All right, you just heard from Brookhaven, Mississippi, Police Chief Kenneth Collins, and he was talking about two deputies that are two officers, rather, Corporal Zach Moak and Patrolman James White, who, as you heard, lost their lives this past Saturday in Brookhaven, Mississippi. And I want to talk about the dynamics of this case from a storytelling aspect. You just heard from that police chief who is a black man uh, in the city of Brookhaven, Mississippi. Two officers, Corporal Zach Moak and Patrolman James White, were, no pun intended, white males. The shooter, and this happened Sunday, or Saturday, rather, after reports of shots fired. So guess what? Police show up when shots are fired. That's how it works. The shooter in this case was a black man, Marquise Aaron Flowers. That's his name. So I don't know what has me more upset here. The fact that the storytelling, since it didn't fit a certain narrative, didn't get the national coverage it deserves because these two officers went out unselfishly to protect and serve the community but it gets a write-up on CNN.com. And had the roles been reversed again, and Marquise Aaron Flowers was shot and killed, it would be on CNN 24-7. Don Lemon would be talking about it. Benjamin Crump would be there at CNN. Al Sharpton. The Black Lives Matter movement in Brookhaven, Mississippi would be going crazy. But since it doesn't fit the narrative of the mainstream media, it only gets a write-up on CNN.com. It only gets a write-up, just like the other case we just talked about in Baltimore, where since the officer, the white officer, was shot three times and the individual was armed with a gun, the media decided, A, the mainstream media decided not to even pick it up. And then the locals in the New York Times were like, well, let's just say the guy was in prison for murder and he got out earlier and he shot this officer. But flip the roles again, just like here in Mississippi, flip the roles again and let those two white officers still be alive, although they were doing their job reporting to a shots fired call, had they killed Marquise Aaron Flowers, again, the 10-year-old Easter picture hugging with grandma, a picture of him holding his little girl, a picture in a suit from high school, and he never did anything to anybody. Well, Marquise Aaron Flowers was shot. He actually survived. So the individual that not only caused the police to get called to the scene, but the individual that shot at police, he was shot at because, again, you 
meet deadly force with deadly force. He was shot at, but he survived. So, yeah, granted, he'll be charged with two counts of murder in this case, but I guarantee that won't even get the attention it deserves because it doesn't fit the narrative. But I don't know, in this case, that has me more upset are the fact that this guy, Marquise Aaron Flowers, well, just like the guy in Baltimore, Nathaniel Sackercrass, or whatever his name is, shouldn't have been on the street. Marquise Aaron Flowers was under house arrest when this happened for vehicle theft and a bunch of other charges. So this guy's on house arrest. And while he's on house arrest... Instead of revoking his house arrest, while he's on house arrest, he comes into contact with the police well before the shooting. This was last year. He's on house arrest. He comes in contact with his police. He gets in a vehicle chase. He flees the scene. He steals another vehicle to make it back to Brookhaven. The the uh, ankle bracelet shows it was definitely him because they followed the path. And the judge doesn't revoke his probation and put him back in prison. How many chances do people deserve? You know, the part that really gets me mad, I always hear, and I've been on Fox News talking about this, and people will say, oh, well, this is uh, targeted towards black people. Oh, this law is targeted towards black people. Simple possession on the street is only black people. And you know what I always say? Well, if you don't want to go to jail, black, white, whatever, don't do the crime. So this guy had chance after chance after chance to be out on the street. He's on probation. While on probation, supposedly confined to your home, because that's what ankle monitors are. It's a way to say, okay, well, you won't go to prison, but you can't leave 10 feet from in front of your house. While on probation and out on an electronic monitoring, he leaves the county, goes to another county, steals a car, gets into a uh, vehicle chase, then a foot chase. He steals another car to get back to the county, and he is still walking the streets. So he's walking the streets, and not only is he walking the streets, he's out shooting at somebody because, remember, The police were called because of a shots fired call. And what does he do? Instead of just dropping the gun and surrendering to police, because let's be honest, no police officer just wants to go in and start blasting people. Instead of dropping the gun and surrendering to police, no, no, no. He fires at police and he got the best of them because They're not here. He's here in a hospital with gunshot wounds awaiting trial. I don't know which one I'm more upset about. The fact that the story was not told in the same way it would have been if the roles were reversed. Or the fact that this guy should not have been on the streets of Brookhaven, Mississippi. And if I was the family of these two dead officers, I would find out who that judge was that did not revoke 
his probation. Now, he's been back and forth to prison since 2012. Here we are now six years later, and now he's responsible for the deaths of two police officers. If I was the family of those two officers, I assure you I would find out who that judge was, why he did not revoke his probation once he came back into his courtroom to put him in prison. Because guess what? If you're in prison, you can't shoot anybody. And if you're in prison, you definitely can't shoot two police officers who were simply doing their job. And you know what else I just thought about? Groups like Black Lives Matter. Yeah, I'm going to call them out. Groups like Black Lives Matter and all these NFL players, they're all hypocrites because since these shootings don't fit their narrative, not hearing a word about it from them. You're not hearing a word about it from the Black Lives Matter movement about this guy in Mississippi. You're not hearing about him being shot by police because it doesn't fit the narrative because it would have to say, well, he did something, which is 99.99999% of the time. He did something to cause the officers to use deadly force. And what he did, he was armed with a gun and he shot at police officers. So we can't speak on this, even though it was a black man that was shot by white police officers in Mississippi, one of the racist uh, states in the in the United States. We can't speak on this because it doesn't fit our narrative because we would have to acknowledge that, yes, he was indeed wrong. So let's not speak on this one. Let's wait until we can at least speak on one where, yeah, the officer was more than likely in the right because the individual did do something that made the officer in that split second believe that they had to use deadly force. But let's wait until one of those we can talk about where it was a white officer and a black person shot and then we'll go protest. Well, Take your ass down to Mississippi then, because there was a black man shot by police. So why are you not there? And he was shot by not one, but two white officers. Why are you not down there? Oh, that's right. Because it doesn't fit your narrative. Oh, that's right. Because you will have to admit that, yeah, although Marquise Flowers was black, he was doing something wrong. Oh, that's why you're not in Baltimore marching for this Nathan guy. That's right, because he had a gun and he fired 10 shots at police and they returned fire and he died. But you say Black Lives Matter and you say it's an injustice by these white officers. Why are you not in Baltimore marching right now? Oh, that's right. Because you would have to admit that the individual was in the wrong. And since it doesn't fit your narrative, you're going to be silent on it. Just like the mainstream media. Since it doesn't fit their narrative, they're going to be silent on it. In my opinion, and I'm sure in the minds of the family members of these officers, these two in Mississippi who were shot and killed, 
and the officer in Baltimore who was shot in the elbow, I'm sure in their minds, these stories should be running on CNN 24-7. It should be on New Day on CNN. It should be in the midday programming. It should be on Don Lemon. It should be on all of this stuff. But it doesn't fit the narrative that they want to talk about. But I assure you, as I said at the top of this, had the officer in Baltimore not been shot, as in they may have uh, the guy may have shot at him, but he wasn't hit. Had that officer not been shot and the outcome was the same, that police returned fire, he was shot and killed. Black Lives Matter would be all over it. Benjamin Crump would be all over it. The Easter picture with the grandma at church smiling would be all over CNN. Take it out to Mississippi. These two white officers who, again, they didn't go out looking for a black man. They dang sure didn't go out looking for Marquise Flowers. They were responding to a call of a crime. And they didn't wake up that morning and say, you know what, man, I'm going to go find this Marquise and I'm going to kill him because he's a black man and I'm a white man and I'm a police officer and that's what I'm supposed to do. No, they got a call about shots fired. They responded. They risked their lives to protect others. But flip the roles. They show up. He's shooting at them. He misses. Boom, boom, boom. They shoot him and kill him because, again, you meet deadly force with deadly force. That story would be everywhere. We would see Marquise Flowers, Easter Sunday, picture with Grandma from 10 years ago. And these two white officers would be the center of the news. People would be demanding their resignation, demanding the black chief's resignation. And we would be seeing protests in Brookhaven, Mississippi, by the Black Lives Matter and all of these other groups that are hypocrites, that are hypocrites. Yeah, I said it. They can come at me if they want. I'm pretty easy to find them on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. I'm on Instagram at Vincent Hill TV. My website, which you can actually leave a comment is VincentHillTV.com. So any of these groups that have a problem with what I'm saying, you know how to get a hold of me. I dare you to get a hold of me because I would love to debate you about this and show you how I'm exactly right and you're 100% wrong. All right, I'm just about out of time and I apologize for getting so passionate. I may have said the A word in there somewhere in between, but I, you know I get passionate about this stuff tonight. My 10-7 segment would only be fitting to talk about these two Brookhaven police officers that were shot and killed this past Saturday, September 29, 2018. And I said at the start of the show that 42 officers have been shot and killed in line of duty in 2018. That is a fact. Go to Officer Down Memorial page odmp.org and it will list them and again ask yourself did you see those stories running 24 hours on cnn or did you see big write-ups in the mainstream media and the answer is going to be no you did not 
Quite simply, it didn't happen. So tonight I want to honor Patrolman James White and Corporal Zach Muck of the Brookhaven uh, Police Department. Again, end of watch, September 29th, 2018. And I will read uh, one of the uh, write-ups on the officers. It's going to be the exact same, so I don't need to read both. Corporal Zach Muck and Patrolman James White were shot and killed in front of a home at 630 North 6th Street while responding to shots fired uh, just before 5 a.m. Both of the officers encountered a male subject in front of the home and exchanged gunfire. The subject and the officers were struck during the shooting. Patrolman White and Corporal Muck were both transported to the King's Daughters Medical Center where they succumbed to their wounds. The subject was taken into custody and taken to a separate hospital. Two additional suspects were taken into custody as part of the investigation. Both of them had been with the Brookhaven Police Department since 2015. They paid the ultimate sacrifice early, early last Saturday morning. And their stories deserve the same amount of coverage as anybody else's. I want to thank you for listening. As always, I love you. I appreciate you. I will see you next week. Same time, same place right here. Radioinfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a dark to light with Frankenstein's quick fix on Radio Influence. I got to say one thing. What they're doing with uh, uh, Christine Ford is this, and I, I don't uh, like many people out there. I don't I don't deny that she's gone through something. In fact, I think that what she's gone through is probably a little bit more on the MK Ultra side of things than anything. This is the, the other thing that that really gets me. Of course, no matter and I, this, I don't watch television anymore, so I don't care what the hell the network is. I don't need it. Um, of course, what I have seen coming out of people is consistently she's a credible witness no credible credible here's what i here's what needs to be really really just uh uh stamped down by somebody the reason why somebody like christine ford is a credible witness is because she is a woman of of um you know of intelligence she's an intelligent one she's she's sane enough she has a a a, a deep educational background she is uh PhD. She's a doctor of certain things. She's a professor. She has attained a certain level of social status. That is the reason why whenever somebody like Christine Ford says something, she is credible enough to be able to at least listen to what she has to say and consider what's going on. Aside from that, aside from the credibility of her character and what she's been able to do with her life and what she's been able to accomplish within her life, the evidence that you need to corroborate certain claims for them to be credible, for them to be pursued, is not there. So whether or not she is somebody that you can look at and say, look at what she's accomplished. This is a woman that we should take seriously when she speaks because she's accomplished so much and she is an intellectual of some sort and this and that, this and that. Fine. But the problem is that she's saying something 
that has no corroborating evidence. All the witnesses are on the opposite side of the fence. They say it didn't happen. They don't know Kavanaugh. They never partied with him. She's she's standing all alone. The reason why all of this is is nonsense is because all you're going by is what we can tell about her profession and and the way that she's lived her life. That is the evidence that should take down a man and destroy an entire life's work. Dark to Light with Frank and Beans can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.